0: Good
1: afternoon and welcome. The Prime Minister has finally said something about the steady stream of allegations against Governor General Julie Payette. A consulting company has been brought in to conduct a third-party investigation into allegations that she created a toxic work environment and publicly humiliated and harassed staffers, prompting some of them to to quit. There's also been controversy about some of her costly renovations and her pushback against some of the duties and appearances associated with the job. Yesterday, Justin Trudeau defended her. He fought, he was calling her an excellent governor general, and shutting down any speculation that he would ask for her resignation. This as we are three weeks away from a confidence vote in a minority parliament where the governor general is the person with the constitutional authority to dissolve parliament. Well, in the wake of this now, the anonymous employees behind the allegations are crying foul. And it's all certainly an embarrassing mess. So, we're going to look into the nature of these workplace investigations, which seem to have become commonplace in the last few years, and the specific implications for this government. And I'd like to hear from you, what do you think about these allegations against Julie Payette? It's not the first time there have been other things in her past. The numbers to call, 416-416. 360-0740, Three six zero zero seven forty. toll toll-free And now I am joined by Dr. Barbara Messamore, who's an associate professor of history at the University of the Fraser Valley and the author of a book about Canada's Governors General, Nora Jenkins-Townson, Townsend, is the founder and principal of the human resources firm Bright and Early, and Anushka Zachariah, who is an associate at Howard Level Levitt, LLP, that's an employment law firm. Welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us, all of you. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. Okay. Hi there. Let us start with Nora Jenkins. So uh, am am I right that these types of investigations have kind of become commonplace or a lot more common in the last few years? And I think that in some cases, they're conducted internally, and sometimes an independent party is brought in, right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: So You know, in Ontario, there's an obligation for an employer to investigate harassment that's been brought to their attention. So that could be through a complaint or it could just be, you know, they could become aware of it through another way. So I'm not surprised at all that they brought in an outside firm here. I I do think that uh, there has been more media attention on these cases lately, especially with, you know, the Me Too movement, um, you know, in Canada and, and in the U.S. as well. I think there's a lot more discussion of it, which I think is important to happen.
1: Uh, Anushka, what's your view of this? Uh, there definitely have been
3: more workplace investigations, which I think is appropriate given looking at the employer versus employee relationship with the employee, of course, being the vulnerable party for the most part. So having the opportunity to express your concerns, make your complaints and have your employer do a thorough and proper investigation is um, moving us in the right direction for sure.
1: Okay. Um, here's what I think the the goalposts seem to have moved in the last while. And, uh, you know, it, it it's. I remember coming up and I don't want to date myself so most bosses were were men and and if they yelled at you uh, you know that was just part of the thing now that is uh, verboten you can get into a lot of trouble if you yell at an employee or anything like that so is it is it just a matter that the standards have changed I yes I think so and I think the standards needed to
3: be changed I you know, your boss shouldn't be yelling at you just because it was commonplace before. Doesn't mean it should have been happening then, and it certainly shouldn't be happening now. So, allowing employees to, like I said, express themselves and have that sort of behavior come to an end is right and it's appropriate.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in Barbara Messamore. Hello, hello. So, uh, I, I'm. This is a, a very. August office. Uh, how embarrassing is this to have this all play out in public with the Governor General's office?
4: Yeah, you, you raise an excellent point. I mean, it adds a, a dimension of complexity because this is meant to be a very dignified office and anything that happens in this very public way uh, can't help but tarnish it, right? So I think one of the things that perhaps a little different about um, the Vice Regal office is that Typically, whatever is done is done discreetly. I think that um, there would be, if it came down to it, a discreet conversation between the prime minister and the governor general, and, the, uh, and an announcement that the governor general had opted to, be re- to, to resign. There wouldn't be a um, a messy kind of public firing. Um, I, you know, I think it's also it's all very interesting that um, one of the other things that's distinct about this office is that. They don't defend themselves if there's going to be any defense made it uh, has to come from the government of the day and that again isn't about protecting the person it's about protecting the dignity of the office now you know you'll know of course that christian freeland would ask very pointedly had declined to do that a few weeks ago and um, justin trudeau of course now recently uh, just last day has, uh, has given a defense of her, called her an excellent governor general. And, and um, you know, the, the other thing I just want to get in here is that he used the term constitutional crisis, suggesting that, it, you know, if she were asked to step down or something, that would be a crisis. And I, I just want to get on the table that that's simply not true. You know, there, the, uh, um, the role would be filled in, in any gap here by the um, uh, chief justice And it's important to kind of have somebody who's got credibility and an appearance of impartiality.
1: So the Chief Justice would be able to dissolve Parliament? Yes, yeah. The Chief
4: Justice would be able to carry out the duties of the Governor General if he had to step in in her stead.
1: Okay, I did not know that. That is very good information. Uh, Now, I, I want to raise something with Anushka and Nora, Is there an element of perhaps sexism here? I know that when it comes to sexual harassment, Obviously, that's mostly targeted against men who are in positions of authority. But it seems to me that there is a lot less leeway for a, a woman in, uh, who is a boss uh, with anything, uh, you know, that is reflective of, of temper or anything like that. Do, do you think that's at play here, Nora?
2: Yeah. So, you know, while I agree that, you know, a lot of the time women in power are held to different standards, I think without knowing the, the exact facts uh, of the invest- investigation and, you know, what was apparently said to, to these employees, it, it's hard to comment on this particular case. But I think generally, you know, as Anushka was saying before, uh, you know, generally we don't want to be yelling at employees or, you know, causing them to apparently, you know, leave the office in tears. Uh, not only is it poor form, but, you know, it's not motivating for people. Um, it's been proven that building an environment of psychological safety leads to higher level of engagement and actually higher performance so those old school ways um, whether they're done by you know a man or, or a woman of uh, you know motivating through fear uh, is not only just unkind but
1: usually ineffective Anushka are there different standards for women bosses
3: yeah um, There definitely are. I would say overall women are held to a much tighter, narrower standard, and it's hard to get away with as much. That being said, we're also seeing more women in leadership positions slowly over the years that's happening. And anyone of any gender and background can be a terrible boss. So it does offer us the option to, you know, hold everyone accountable. Mm
1: -hmm. What does it mean, two things, about this investigation? First of all, it's voluntary. Is that the usual way it's handled? A voluntary investigation? Yeah, it's voluntary for people to participate in this investigation. Is that the usual way it is? Uh, I mean, for the most part, once the complainant makes the
3: complaint, the accused should have the opportunity to provide a statement on their position and provide a list of witnesses. If the witnesses choose not to participate, uh, I mean, there's nothing the investigator can do about that, and that would be a little more voluntary. Of course, if you as the accused are choosing not to provide a response or provide your statement, that wouldn't necessarily be the right thing to do, but I suppose it could be voluntary.
1: But I, I mean, uh, the people who work at Rideau Hall, now it is, it's is—it's up to them. It's voluntary whether they talk to this investigator. Is that the usual thing? Or would they? Would normally in a workplace, people who work there, if they were asked to speak to the investigator, they would have to? They would generally have to speak to the investigator, yeah. Okay, so uh, why is it being handled that way? Do we have any idea? i I don't. I actually don't
3: know why they're allowing the employees to handle it on such a voluntary basis. It seems like it might work against them to do that, but it could be just an internal policy as well. I don't know. Everything sort of hinges on this case-by-case, employer-by-employer internal policy sometimes. Um,
1: Here's a question for Anushka: Is this sometimes having an investigation like this? Is it basically a way to give people a voice and to make it go away. I mean, the prime minister in this case has basically said, I'm not firing her or he can't fire her, but she's not going to be replaced.
3: Right. And that might be a little hasty for him to say at this point, because the investigation is ongoing. We don't know what the level of the complaints, like how detailed is it? How complex, what is everybody saying? How many people are involved? All of that could come to light or be a much deeper, bigger issue once the investigation is complete. So I would think it was a little premature for him to say that at this point.
1: Okay. I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from our audience. I mean, this has uh, been going through the news for quite a while now. What do you make of it? Uh, what do you think of the Governor General, Julie Payette? 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 And just a reminder, so Normally with these things, there there's a process, there are committees, there are letters of recommendation talking about who should be the next governor general and why the prime minister circumvented all of that. He said, oh, I have the most fabulous candidate. And he installed her. So uh, to the extent that there are problems, he's wearing it. Uh, she had, there was one thing that came out before her appointment and there was an assault charge that was dropped in connection to her divorce. And we've heard a lot of other stories in, in other, from other contexts about her. So that is one thing. And, uh, now we have all of this coming out. So, Barbara, how damaging is it for the government, would you say, to have circumvented that process?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, you're very right in what you say, that, that he is wearing it as, in the sense that she was very much her, his, his personal choice. Um, I think it's important, though, that the this um, idea of selection by committee is a comparatively recent thing. This was just implemented in, uh, in Stephen Harper's time, and so, you it's just kind of an ad hoc sort of organization. It doesn't have any kind of, um, uh, you know, force of law. Um, it's been successful. You know, it chose David Johnson. It's chosen um, uh, provincial lieutenant governors and territorial commissioners and whatnot. So, so people, you know, did have the sense that it was working well and perhaps might have um, been a more effective way of vetting uh, an appointee. So, so yeah, that's kind of a, a um, an issue, certainly. I think, you know, when um, when you said a moment ago that, that he can't fire her, I mean, I think also he said, just now, or right now, or something like that, but he didn't intend to uh, ask for her to, to resign. Um, I think it's also important to, even though it is the Queen who makes the appointment and, and uh, accepts the resignation, she would always do that on advice to the Prime Minister. So in a sense, it is his call,
1: right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to bring up, I mean, we've seen controversy over governors general before. And again, I'm, I'm wondering if, if women get more flack. We had Adrienne Clarkson. That was her expenses. She had these huge trips. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we had Mikhail Jean. So uh, again, uh, more controversy with female governors general is—is—is uh, uh, is, is this an issue of sexism, Nora? What do you think?
2: You know, I, I do—I do think that you know, based on the details that we have, it's—it's it's hard to say. Uh, but I really do believe that women do have it harder in these in these particular positions. Uh, and that they are held to a much higher standard in terms of behavior. Um, you know, it has been proven that uh, folks respond to, you know, a, a harsher style or a more direct style um, from uh, a female boss and interpreting it in, in a more harsh way um, than they would or expect from a male superior.
1: Mm. And, and Anushka, again, back to my question, is this sometimes having an investigation like this, is this sometimes a way just to, to make it all go away? Um, sometimes it could be
3: for optics. I, you know, I won't disagree with that. Sometimes it would just be, okay, let's just conduct an investigation to say that we've done it and move on with our lives, but at least having the investigation to begin with, if it does raise serious issues and there is information that comes to light, it does help move the organization or company or whoever it is. It moves them forward in a better way, ideally, in an ideal world, of course.
1: And what are the kinds of remedies if you don't fire the person who is the subject of the investigation? Like, do you, I mean, what happens then? Do you have, you know, uh, warning notes? You know, you have to change your behavior or whatever?
3: Yeah, I think that would be a good first step is, um, you know, have a serious conversation with them. Say this behavior has been brought to light by one or more people. We haven't found anything to substantiate the the allegations, but you definitely need to start improving your behavior. M- maybe they'll put a warning letter in their file, uh, depending on, you know, the scope of how many complainants there are, they may want to have them stop working directly under them, have them, you know, the complainants report to somebody else instead of whoever they were working with. I mean, having the employee work with their harasser or whatever the complaint is about creates a really toxic work environment, which can affect the work of not only the, um, the the accused but also the complainant, and then you have possible reprisal situations. So it is a really fine line that employers have to walk when dealing with these things.
1: So, so are, is there going to be a note in Julie Payette's uh, employment <laughs> file, and is it Dominic LeBlanc that's going to put it there, Barbara Messamore? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, this, I guess, is again just unusual circumstances. And, and of course, one of the other complexities in this is that the person to whom complainants would initially bring their concerns is, um, uh, Cynthia DiLorenzo, um, uh, Julie Payette's, um, secretary who, who manages the staff and everything else is a close personal friend and herself the subject of, of these allegations. So, you know, this is, is, um, got a lot of problems in terms of the process, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, again, uh, you know, the report is going to be made to Dominic LeBlanc. Is there any significance to that?
4: I, I don't think so, especially. I mean, it, it is in the purview of the Privy Council office, so so that would be the person to whom it would, would go. But I, I think it just, uh, again, the nature of the office, the nature of the dignity of the Crown means that this can't go very far. You know, I think that if there's a, we don't want to rush to judgment and say there's truth to these allegations, but if it should emerge that indeed there is, then I think that um, some sort of action on the Prime Minister's part is necessary, or or perhaps on on the DEMPA's part, a a dignified resignation. I mean, people need not serve five years, that's customary, it's not obligatory, people serve less or more. and I think just the sort of the uh, the layers of, of difficulty that we've had around this appointment um, uh, suggest it's just not a great fit for her. So I think the sort of customary rules of uh, workplace behavior and whatnot, I mean, we, we demand more than that from the representative of the Crown.
1: Has there been any kind of precedent for this, a, a governor general leaving early, even though the five years isn't mandated?
4: Well, uh, funnily enough, you mentioned uh, Dominique LeBlanc, his father, Romeo LeBlanc, uh, left early. <laughs> um, that was uh, for reasons of health, uh, ostensibly, right? I mean, that's, that's what we understand. and, and look, We don't always get a full reason for these kinds of things. For some people, it's just not an easy fit. I mean, it's a difficult role. You can be literally a rocket scientist and, and have <laughs> yeah. trouble with this, you know. So, so uh, yeah, it, it's uh, we won't ever, I think, because of the nature of the role, we won't ever get the full story. And people are often uncomfortable with that, but, but there there does um, have to be that uh, preservation of dignity, and so I think uh, we'll, we're unlikely to see it go right to a full. Um, revelation of every detail. We're, we're unlikely to get that. And we, we wouldn't have the, um, the Queen involved either in a direct way. The Queen would simply act on advice. She's not going to seek to involve herself and weigh in on the question,
1: right? Yeah, well, w- would she? Uh, we are basically out of time. So, uh, Anushka, what would you like to leave us with? Um, Well, for
3: employees, if you have something that is concerning that's happening in your workplace, definitely make the complaint and report it. It's imperative to have those investigations completed. So that's what I would say, for sure.
2: And Nora? I would say, um, you know, that it sends us a strong message if harassment is found in an investigation and the person's allowed to stay in power no matter what. You're sending a strong message that that kind of behavior is okay in
1: in your workplace. Um, So... I'll leave it. I'll leave with that. Okay, well, (laughs) and thank you very much, Barbara Messamore, Nora jenkins Townsend, and Anushka Zachariah. We'll have to see how this one plays out. Appreciate your time. Thank Thank
0: you. you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.